glory glory hallelujah indeed our god is a great and mighty god i especially want to welcome you to another episode of fresh manner minister digest today is going to be the second episode in this great series of the book of esther with the theme god's sovereignty and rescue to his people god's sovereignty and rescue to his people last week we saw that actually the book of esther is so much an interesting book where god's name is relegated to the background but he has begun to orchestrate his deliverance to his people so before i say much permit me to read from the book of esther chapter 3 i'm going to read a few verses and then i'll read a verse from and chapter 4 which is verse 13 and then i'll say a few things as we pray and then go to church this morning i i believe as a pastor and theologian we have no authority to say anything or to begin to expand god's word until we read from the written word and that has been my policy for a long time so permit me to read esther chapter 3 from verse 1 possibly to verse 7 and then i read a verse in chapter 4 after these things King Ahasuerus promoted Hamar the Agagite, the son of Hamidata, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Hamar. But the king for the king had so commanded concerning him but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai why are you transgressing the king's command and when they spoke to him day after day and he would not listen to them they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's word will stand for he had told them that he was a Jew and when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews. The people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus in the first month, which in is the month of Nisan in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus they cast poor that is they cast lots before Haman day after day and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month which is the month of Ada chapter 4 verse 14 letters were sent by Koreas to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy to kill and to annihilate all Jewish, young and old, women and children. In one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Ada, and to plunder their goods. May the Lord bless the room of his word in our heart in Jesus' name. Yeah, one of the things that I want us to note as I continue this morning is that the book of Esther and Daniel are the only books of the Old Testament that is set entirely outside the promised land. The, at this point where this book was written or the event took place, it actually took place outside the promised land. They were in captivity. And so it's given us a picture setting in the big theme of God's people in exile, taken up in the New Testament as a description of Christians living in the world that is often misunderstood or that attacks Christians 
often feeling like strangers waiting for final deliverance to arise. We see that exactly in First Peter, uh, how God's people are referred to the God's elect in exile. So first, I want you to note that while this book is so relevant is that wherever Christians are found in the world, even if they are, they are in their hometown, we're considered as people that are elect but living in exile. You know why? Because we are living in the world, but the world... Uh, it's not our country. The world is not our final destination. We're just living the world. We're born geographically uh, to be Nigerians, to be British people, to be whatever, uh, wherever you're, you're born. But understand, as Christians, we are elect exile, living in the country where we are always being misunderstood, always attacked, always maligned, always insulted, and. So Peter wrote to give us that picture that we are elect exile. And that is how God's people are. As Christians, we are told that the Old Testament scriptures were written for our instruction and to give us hope when you look at uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 4. So these events of Esther are therefore part of our own heritage and relationship with the great God of deliverance. In a hostile world where we also feel like we are in the exile, it is a book that might be particularly resonate to us. So when you look at Esther, when you're reading, I need to read carefully, you will see so many areas of the book of Esther that resonated with, with our situation, especially those living in the hostile war. I don't know, it may not be, in fact, in Nigeria, it's not just not now, it's spread all over the country where attacks are everywhere. Yeah, it's on many people, but particularly you see some attacks on Christians. The gospel is being uh, hindered in so many villages and towns, and God's people are always under attack. The point being, even though his people are in exile due to their disobedience first you need to understand that actually there have been many prophecy and these people of god were disobedience to god's instruction and so they were taken into exile so maybe i should pause a little to also say this that many things that are happening in nigeria today is because is the one is because is part of the prophecy of the end time but also god's people have disobeyed god's law they go after their own self for after their own interests and whatever they think will benefit them and that is why we feel this pressure oh generally they tend to put it this because we're under a sinful world so we're under a sinful world where sins always seems to prevail and that is exactly what is happening here even though his name is not mentioned in the book of esther and his voice will not be heard now in Israel at that particular time but there was a promise that someone is coming 400 years later then there can be no doubting that relief and deliverance will arise we're going to see that in chapter 4 verse 14 there will be life beyond exile that's what Christians should know there's life after the life we're living now because the covenant God who spanned the entire Old Testament life remains committed to deliverance through raising up a deliverer for his people and that's what all the book of esther is yes god's name is not mentioned but he's showing that god in the humble way is always raising a deliverer that will deliver his children and now today we're reading this with a more beautiful picture we have a better perspective because we have seen that deliverer we have seen that deliverer that messiah that rescuer in christ jesus of course we have done some study in the book of john and the book of luke and we've seen how 
how God has risen Jesus to be the deliverer for. So we are reading this book with a better perspective that surely there is going to be a deliverer. Deliverance will arise even in this hostile world and this world is not our final destination. We'll just consider two things as we pray this morning. Number one, remember powerful people hitting God's people is normal part of exile. When you are in exile, it's like you're in prison. So those that seem powerful in their own eyes, those that are in authority, they are always hating God's people and looking for a way to destroy them. Like we saw from Hammer. Hammer has been lifted up to a place of authority and now he feels uh, of course he has the power to annihilate to, to kill to destroy to annihilate a whole tribe he would have just dealt with um um Mordecai alone but he disdained to do that he he sought to kill his whole entire generation just because Mordecai refused to bow for him so that's what we're seeing today those who feel they are so powerful, they wake up and say, who are these Christians for God's sake? Who are these people? We're just going to destroy them. And you see a plan, a design, an agenda spreading around the country, targeting to destroy God's people. So you must understand that. When you look at the book of Daniel, like I said, there are so many similarities. You see people rising up, hating God's people, planning a plot to destroy them. And we saw how um, Hammer plot to kill gospel but one of the things that touches my heart when i was reading that is that that is exactly what is happening in our generation they are planning to kill god's people destroy god's people and he laid god's people by merely throwing of dice casting lord can you imagine you know that is how exactly people are toying with our life uh, and as such of the three verse seven say, actually they were casting lord to determine how to kill them, the date and the season, you know, it's just like a game for them. They were casting lots. Imagine they, they don't take the life of people to be anything for them is that they are like demigods, small gods that have the power to just kill God's people just by casting lots. So they, they casted lot actually to determine when they can kill God's people. So, and of course, the, 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 the Lord determined a date for them and they went ahead and they began to plan how to kill God's people and letters were sent in all the promises that all Israel must be killed, destroyed and annihilated from the land even though they were in exile. If you wait a minute, I'm trying to beat up time, but you understand that that is how people are toiling with our life. There are people who are sitting in the place of authority today. They feel like they have the power to do all things, but they forget. That's my point too. But in this world where God's name or Christ's name is being relegated to the background, deliverance will surely arise. Deliverance will arise and we can see that in, in chapter 4 verse 14, there is there's a confirmation that deliverance will surely arise. Deliverance will arise. So that is a word of comfort to somebody today. That no matter what we are going through, I need you to remember that God is sovereign. Yes, he's aligned some of the things that are happening to happen today, but he's sovereign but also he has the power to rescue we saw all this theme of being i mean of rescue throughout old testament and we saw the fulfillment in jesus christ how god is always out there to rescue his people jesus have done that for us he has rescued us from the power of sin 
He came as a lamb to give himself as a sacrifice, but he's coming back as a lion to rescue us. And Mordecai said that to Esther in chapter 4 verse 14, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise up for the Jew from another place. But you and your family, your house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. One of the powerful quotation verse that we always quote from the book of Esther. So therefore, it leads me to, so how can deliverance arise? Yes, there's a promise of deliverance from God, but how can this arise? Number one, God's people have to recognize the threat and satanic agenda that is already in play in wherever they live. There is a satanic agenda and it is our responsibility as Christians to understand it. If Mordecai had not known that there is a plot, they will just be there until one day Haman plot will, will work. But they understand, God helping them to understand that this will happen. But you know what? Look at this picture. It's the same thing that is happening in our countries, in Nigeria. That those impalas, they're just comfortable. They don't really know. They, they know what is happening, but they're a little bit relaxed, you know. God helped Esther to be there, but he put her for a purpose. But yet, she did not really recognize that. But Mordecai, who is outside godly, praying, he saw the picture and he sent a message. First, you know, she was trying to just give good excuses. They were excuses, actually good excuses. They said, we're law. You cannot see the king until you are invited. And if you do that and he does not honor it, that person will be killed. But Mordecai has emphasize you ought to do something perhaps that's why you are in the kingdom for such a time like this i therefore speak to everyone in palaces in the place of authority in government big offices the big question you ask yourself is why are you in that office many times i see christians being in the place of authority for themselves they they can't talk they are always silent because they feel if they talk their position will be uh, taken away from them the benefit they are getting they will not get it any longer or they are going to deny them so many things it is true but can they do like esther can they do like daniel standing firm in a hostile world standing really firm in the hostile world for god's people for god's kingdom for god's name so that's number one thing we ought to recognize the threat we ought to recognize the satanic agenda they may not be coming the way we're coming for example in nigeria we will say oh god they cannot islamize the country but we're seeing how villages have been taken over villages have been run out and then people are not and this are satanic agenda that's why i generalize because these people don't do not even care they don't even care about religion any longer but they are clear of everyone this is satanic agenda and as a christian whether you accepted that it's not religion or what you need to understand there is a satanic agenda that is going on and we must do something number two how can this deliverance come is that everyone including those in palace and government offices senior officials must arise fast pray and call this deliverance to come one of the things i discovered in the bible is that God always make a covenant and give promise to people. But the people who received this covenant had to always recognize it, pray and show God that now we're ready for what you said to happen. We saw that in the life of Abraham. We saw that uh, uh, how, how Abraham believed God. He walked with God. He kept praying. We also saw that in the life of Elijah when God actually sent him to meet Ahab. But when he came and he made the announcement, he went to pray. The Bible said he kept going back and forth, praying and asking the servant to 
go and check if there is a sign of rain. He kept praying until the seventh time and he saw a sign. Christians, we are sleeping. We need to wake up. We need to understand that the only weapon that God has given to us is the weapon to pray. And the pr prayer is the greatest weapon that we any man could ever know. It's not all this weapon that these uh, 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 terrorists, that's how we call them, uh, are using this whole insurgency. We need to talk with confidence. It, that is not the most powerful weapon. The most powerful weapon is prayer because prayer is what moves the hand of God. And the finger of God is enough to destroy the whole earth. Talk less of a small set of people who are trying to cause instability in the government, kill people, uh, innocent people, uh, destroy homes, rape, and all, all kinds of things. We need to understand that our prayer is capable of doing things. The Bible said that Elijah in James chapter 5, Elijah is a man like with, a, with the same passion like us. He prayed and heavens answered him. And as we rise up to this task today, God will hear us. God will come down and rescue Nigeria. He will rescue his church. He will rescue his people. And despite of the sound of the end time, this kind of evil will not continue in the name of Jesus. As we wrap up today, like last week, sorry because of time I didn't uh, review the questions, but I'm going to join it probably the last week as I will promise, and then we'll review that together. The few things to think through and to discuss uh, is where do we see experience hatred towards God's people in the world today? I need you to give practical example. Where do we see and experience hatred towards God's people in the world today. Of course, Nigeria, number one, our other country. Number two, how does remembering Esther chapter 3 verse 4 help us to make sense of our life of exile? You can also read 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11. How does remembering Esther chapter 3 helps us make sense of our life of exile? Like I said earlier, all Christians, even if you're living in your hometown today, you should understand that we are in a, we are in exile, living in a world that does not belong to us. And our aim, our hope, and the home we are looking for is life after death, the home where our God has prepared for us. And as we put our perspective towards that, God will see our heart, he will rescue us and cause us to join with him when he returns. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. The Lord will continue to bless us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your promises to your children and how we see you working in all places, in all seasons, in all times, in all generations, rescuing your people. You have shown us through the Old Testament, seen the fulfillment in Christ Jesus. As God's people, Christian, we see are waiting for this deliverance, this mighty final deliverance from exile, from the hands of evil men, from satanic agenda. As we continue to study, Lord, may we find hope, may we find courage, may we find encouragement, even from your word, from the book of Esther and other books that you have spoken about us being elect exile as we await your deliverance in Christ Jesus. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. See you next week. And remain blessed.